Hello, and welcome back to Collision Cast. I'm here with Mike today. How's it going, Mike? Good. Andrew, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I think we're looking pretty good. I'm really glad to have you back on the podcast. It's It's been a while. Um, we were supposed to get you on last time you were here um, for a little programming development design session, but... We got a little too carried away with getting work done, um, but we we got you here this time now. Mm-hmm. So, so how have you been, man? Pretty good. Uh, I've been getting a lot of work done. You have been. Um, but still still keeping a healthy mind space. Things have been going pretty, pretty good overall, so I'm very happy about that. How's your work-life relationship going? You're, you're still managing to keep that balance? I know that gets really difficult for developers. Yeah, it's tough, but uh, I've been keeping a pretty regular routine, and I'm kind of forcing myself to take two days off during the week, or at least a day and a half. Usually it ends up being only a day and a half. Yeah. Uh, But I'm I'm still trying to maintain that work-life balance and not drive myself too crazy, but also work as efficiently as I can. I definitely know where you're coming from there. I struggle with the same thing sometimes. My my wife's definitely told me that sometimes I end up working a little too much on whatever I'm working on, and I get a little too distracted. <clears throat> but hopefully you're you're keeping it as close to a balance as possible. It sounds like you're giving it a lot of thought, which is important. Uh, the The main issue is that people sometimes forget to keep it in mind, and then it cascades into a very long and arduous set of circumstances that pile up where you're like okay I'm going to keep working and yes I enjoy the thing that I'm working on so I can keep working on it because this is where my joy comes from but even things that give you joy uh, at least from what we've talked about from our perspective which we'll get into a little bit um, because I I would love to kind of discuss our work life or our work balance a little bit because when the first yeah. time we had you on the podcast, it was when you just joined the project, showed me what you what you had in mind, and we were kind of just casually friends at that point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but at this point, we're definitely professionally communicating very well. Um, we yes. we, had, we had a nice natural communication in the beginning, which is always excellent to find. Um, but now we definitely seem to be able to almost pick up right where each other left off which is very important yes um so so yeah let's 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 get into let's get into that i think um so here's a great time uh you'd be completely honest with me you know you know i can you know i can take criticism how was i in the beginning when it came to well, let's not talk about collision gate right this second because I I basically went into that with the idea in mind of hey I'm going to de- design this to almost finality and then hand it over to a developer if I need to. Yeah. Um, so I more or less set it up to be easy for me to code later. So you got something that was hand catered to me. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, let's let's comment on that. What's it like getting a game that was hand catered f- for another developer? Um, it, it honestly, yeah, it made my life pretty easy. 
Um, so pretty much right away, like I was able to find the design Bible and it told me pretty much everything I needed to know to get to basically hit the ground running. It had a lot of excellent resources in there. Uh, for example, the prototype playmat on there, which I was able to transplant as a texture into Unity. All right there. Uh, there were a lot of assets like the card borders that were organized already and it made it easy for me to grab all of them and manipulate them to make them Unity friendly, so that was really nice. Um, there's a lot of things that translated nicely into neat data structures. For example, all the cards pretty much translate neatly into data structures. I think uh, there are some more advanced card effects that are going to have to have some fancy little functions applied to them. Uh, but a lot of the game is honestly captured and replicated pretty nicely right now, even without some of the more advanced card effects. Which I think is in itself kind of a big deal because if we were to go back to our days playing Yu-Gi-Oh! Online when it Konami hadn't quite figured it out for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, we had games like Network, Dueling Network. Yep. Or was it Book at the time or Network? I think it was Network first and now okay. it's Now it's Duel. Book? Yeah. Okay. Um, Dueling Network is pretty awesome yeah. in its own right. Um, simply because of its, it has an ELO system, which is which is nice. You're able to actually play competitively for free and play whatever cards you want. Which, if we're being honest, is pretty much the very thing that inspired this game. Because when I first started creating it, that's what I wanted to do, was create a free-to-play card game. And originally, I was just going to have it be low texture, low poly kind of thing, which is something that I've, I was advised for our early NFTs. And I wanted to tell them, like, no, guys, this, the problem isn't that we can't make NFTs right now with the art that we have. We have enough art to get started. Yep. We don't have we don't have a ton of art because there's no point in spending that money because art is the most export most important and most expensive part of making any game. Yeah. It, what you don't need to always make the most quote unquote beautiful art if that's the design because that's how the design works if the design is set up for something that I guess not everyone thinks pixelation where I think we both like pixel art quite a bit yeah um, but pixel pixel art isn't always good either way sometimes pixel art's done really good sometimes pixel art's done really bad yeah. so <laughs> it and those ty those style of games really are rounded off with that art. They're really make it or break it when it comes to, to that. And because of that, it, it becomes a question of how much do you need to show the vision I think we have enough, and we're putting together a few things that will, informationally speaking, get it there. Yes. Um, I'm sorry, informationally speaking, get the point across. Yes. And also be visually pleasing. And that's 
Yes, we have the data points and we have the gameplay to go with it. And not only that, it is networked, which is a big deal. And uh, I'm glad that Andrew and I were able to communicate that pretty clearly early on that, yeah, this needs to be networked, like network first, pretty much. Uh, at first he told me he needed an AI dueler and I was like, well, yes, we can still do an AI dueler, but you want network play, right? And he told me, yep, and I, we both agreed that, okay, then network play is the most important priority yeah. because we can always tack on an AI dueler later. Yeah, tacking on, you told me, you also explained to me, and I mean I more or less understood it going in, that tacking on um, multiplayer online services yes. of any kind is harder than tacking on an AI dueler. Absolutely. Because it's much easier to create an AI within an existing game than it is to create a whole networking system for a game that's already been developed. <clears throat> and it, neither are insurmountable tasks, but one is definitely easier than the other, and one definitely got our point, or I, say, I said point, but really the real word is design across. Yeah. Um, and... It's really paid off, I think, because in the next few days, we were hoping to get it done this weekend, uh, but instead we, we ended up getting a lot of work and, and communication stuff done that we're going to talk about here in a second. Yeah. Um, but we now have a playable demo that essentially everything works except the effects don't trigger, and you have to forfeit, right? Or did, or did you fix that? Uh no, I haven't fixed that yet. Uh, okay. When life points hit zero, just nothing happens. You just okay. close the game at that point. Yeah, you just close the game at that point. Which, those two things you said, we can just get them done really quick, but yeah. you're you're working on something else right now. That's, That's going to get more, done this week, though. Yeah, it's going to sure. get done this week. And with that all being done, we essentially have the demo we were hoping for. And people can see the design of the game for themselves and get... <laughs> A look at what we wanted them to to look at yeah. um, and I really think that that's not only true mm -hmm. but it's pretty apparent um, I was looking at some of the more successful TCG launches out there on crowdfunding services of, of any kind and I believe we have a better product than most of them has have presented but they went further with getting things developed um, showing that we have the capacity to make the game and the cryptocurrency and the art and everything else that we're going to that we've already made I believe people will understand that we're gonna f follow up our on our word with the with the booster packs we're gonna follow up on our word with the um, free alternate arts and free rarities and stuff like that. And because of the, those things, I think we really have a once-in-a-career opportunity on our hands to really try and submit our foot into a niche that I really hope understands, like, hey, we're, we're not joining this because we want to become like millionaires or anything. Like, we believe in trading card games because we love trading card games. Mm -hmm. And we put something together, and we want you guys to enjoy it. And I really hope that you guys do. I really hope that this is 
as good as we have come to believe it it is. I really hope that going forward we're able to create an experience that everyone can enjoy that wants to enjoy it. Yep. yep. And on top of that, I'm really hoping that uh, our little demo here, I'm really hoping everybody enjoys it. And yeah, it's been a lot of, it, it's, it's been a labor of love to say the least. Uh, I Obviously I have experience developing trading cards, trading card games with the Duelist of the Roses remake, but uh, you know, I've, I've only been working on this for three months just to put things into perspective, and we have an MVP within three months. Yeah. Yeah. We. Yeah. Um, I've talked about it before, but Mike is the real reason why people call programmers computer wizards. He's a real computer wizard. He has managed to put something together that I thought there was going to have to essentially be a delay on the game if I continued moving forward, which is something I've discussed with um, supporters in the past. And with you involved, not only do I not have to worry about that, I believe the vision that we've created is more complete. Yep. Because at this point, what we want to do is show people what the game is, and that's exactly what this does. Yep. And people have the opportunity to get as involved as they want and move forward from there, yep. which is which is going to be great. Um, so let's talk about how you and I are going to do things going forward because I think it's safe to say that we, we have our team. Yep. I, don't, I don't want anyone replaced. I'm currently hopefully discussing things with someone who's going to join the team for full-time crypto development for us, not necessarily him full-time only for us, but him working our full-time development. Hopefully that makes sense. Uh, he seems to be a very skilled individual, and as long as our discussions continue to go well, I'm very excited to say that we most likely have someone who is a similar caliber to Mike when it comes to development. And those types of individuals, thank you once again, Mike, are very rare. Um, I've, I've managed to meet a bunch of really incredible people, and I'm just talking about this from a personal perspective at this point. Yeah. Um, you guys are all very talented, and it is. I hope that your drives have really rubbed off on me, and I believe they have. And I've made some really great friends, if I'm being honest. Like, you, oh, I consider all of you my friends at this point. Um, and it's really nice to be in this together. Because if we're all in this together... Oh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, flashback. <laughs> oh my God! No. Oh no. Oh, we're gonna have to write uh, that down really quick. Yep. That can't. They can't see the light <laughs> of day. That cannot see the light of day. Can you hand me the pen? Intense pen writing noises. Yeah, <laughs> I, I had it end at uh, right then and there. Sorry for the spike as I set the pen down uh, urgently. <laughs> so. Where we are now, we 
we only have up to go, and I really hope that people see that. Because the most important thing with the tightrope that we're attempting to walk is we are a game design company first. Yeah. We make good games. That's the thing that we care about. And I believe that the current incentive for crypto development is to make good games. And, and we are hopefully doing that. And in the event that people don't agree on the crypto side, yeah. we have a physical product and a digital product on the gaming side that we can continue to grow with and go from there. I really think that we have managed to put together the perfect little alchemic situation. All the dominoes are in place. I am just hoping that it's true at this point. Yeah. And with all of that being said, let's actually talk about how we're going to do that moving forward. Um, so I more or less have explained to some people that are very involved from a supporter side, how I work as a designer. So I'll give I'll make this pretty brief for those that already know. Uh, essentially, I enjoy designing games. I enjoy designing systems. Um, there are several different types of designers. There are system designers, world designers. Um, wow, good job, Andrew. Um, level design. Level design, and then is systems mechanic experience, experience? Design? yes yeah experience um wow <laughs> i would i would say that i'm more of an experience and um i'm experienced designer i i love world design and i'm very much into systems design so with a systems designer thought process in my head and me wanting to take over I wanted to do the development design combo and hopefully achieve that level of success through that by creating a great game that people enjoy. Um, and that's my hope, is to just basically make really good games that have interesting systems, that have deep worlds with massive sets of, war of lore that can be delved into for those that care about it and that have an experience for those that are looking for it or an experience that anyone can really get involved with. Right. And where you come in, at least from my perspective, and please correct me if, you, if I'm wrong, and um, you essentially take those dreams and you convert them into magic Yes. Known as computer code. Yes. That makes games exist. I do dark computer magic, and I make abstract thoughts into digital Unity games, pretty much. So you would say it's kind of like wielding a lantern ring? Yeah. But but specifically for games coming to exist? Yes, okay. pretty much. Okay, okay, cool. Pretty much. Cool. Um it is sorcery. Because <laughs> the, the thing is, like, I taught myself quite a bit about the fundamentals of not only game design, but also um, Unity design itself. Yeah. And what you managed to accomplish in such a short amount of time, I would have had to study a huge chunk of that up to this point to release it. 
and then I would essentially now be in a position where the game was 33% where it is now. Right. And, I mean, now it's basically 100% of the way where it is. So... Yeah, we, we yeah. I mean, and now and now that Josh has been able to to really focus on getting the digital design stuff done for infographics for not only the website yep. and the new white paper that we've been working on and yeah, everything else. Josh <laughs> Josh is killing it for digital media. I he love, really has. I love he, seeing what he comes up with. He really has been. He um. He he's always been really really good at that. He's he's just been busy. Like he's been he's been working on getting his life together. Yeah. And now he um, he has a little bit more free time and he's been working. And I, I had all the faith in the world with him. We like we talked about this uh, a few months back, after I had had so much trouble finding someone for digital design. Yep. I sat him down and I was like, Hey man, I'm having so trouble finding a web developer and I'm having trouble finding a, di- a digital artist for our infographics design and stuff like that. I, I've yep. seen a couple of people who have some, some promise, but I'm gonna be honest, every time I saw someone, I kept comparing them to how you were doing when, when we were in our early 20s. Yep. And I gotta be honest, I don't, I don't know if I found one who's as good as you were. So would you be willing to, to put the time in and put the practice back in to get back to where you were and then do that for us until we either find someone who's as good or better than you so that way you can focus on other things. Because he's just like me. Is like He's essentially co-creator and co-founder. Yeah. So um, he's been wearing many hats. He's been having lots of conversations. He's gotten a lot of people to me. He's gotten a lot of people um, to the project. And in all honesty, that's really what you want from someone like him and I went on this tangent because we were supposed to be talking about how our relationship works <laughs> and how developers and designers work. Um, Instead, we started uh, talking about the amazing team we have. Yes, we always end up doing that. All right, so let's let's not let's not brag about our awesome team for once. Okay, let's just talk about because because I, I wanted to use this one to yeah. like get a little bit of advice out there yeah. um, because you've what you've got together now for everyone can be summed up in the sentence that should be said. I've got a working prototype for the game that shows you its mechanical design. Yep. It also shows visually what it's going to look like at its worst, which yep. is the which is the best thing here because you can look at our art and you can look at the you, you can look at essentially the prototype that we put together and you can you can know, okay, that that plays like this yep. is going to look like that. Yep. And you will know, like, okay, do I like this or do I not like this? Which is all, all we ask for. And how we've done that with mechanics for the other projects that we're working on, should we just use a fake project as an example or should we let them in on some secrets? Oh, uh, yeah. Meh. Let them in on some secrets. Why not? Placeholder names? Uh, placeholder names are probably okay. Okay, so Collision Arena yes. is... Um, what we're probably going to be creating next and how we came up with that is essentially our our um cameraman editor video extraordinaire connoisseur brandon 
uh, thank you, Brandon, for your work, and thank you for getting us started on this direction. He came to me with an idea. He's like, why aren't there games where people who enjoy different genres... No, that's not quite what he said. He said, why aren't there games that merge more existing genres? Right. And I asked him what he meant about that. Like, do you mean, like, kind of smashing stuff together? Do you mean different play styles coming together? How we essentially did that was he 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 gave me an idea to merge different arc play styles together. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's that's interesting. Um, and I went from there because he and I play a lot of games together, but we have a very unique discrepancy, which is. While we both like competitive games, he likes games that are essentially more action-oriented, more first-person shooters. He really yeah. enjoys first-person shooters and fighters, yeah. which, I mean, they're, they're fun. Like, I definitely enjoy a good first-person shooter. I definitely enjoy a good fighting game. Yeah. But I'm not very good at them, if I'm being honest. So I get frustrated when I play them sometimes. And I'm sure any fighting game connoisseur can understand. <laughs> yeah. um, as well as FPS connoisseur. So I just avoid them because I don't I don't want to I want to rage. So we always find a common line in a game that kind of we can both settle on uh, being fun more right. or less. Right. Which more more often than not lends itself to a survival game because survival games are pretty unifying. Yeah. But um, I haven't come up with anything unique enough for a survival game aside from mechanics. So yeah. that idea, while we want to make it, it, has been shelved. So I came to you with, hey, this is what Brandon said. This is what I'm thinking about it. Should this, should this, should this move up to the top of the priority list on potential games? And should we just go ahead and start working on this? Because I think this is a really good idea. And you, we talked about it, and, but you were, pretty, you were on board pretty quickly after I explained what I was thinking. Yeah. And so going forward, we sat down and we, we had a, a long conversation about where does my job end and yours begin for the best of us? Yeah. Or, or, or where it's the best for us. Meaning, where do I put the design process so that way you as a developer can essentially pick it up and put it together as quickly as possible? Mm -hmm. And... We're hoping that the process that we've come up with, because it seems to be working for us quite well, um, might help other people that are listening. So essentially, I, I write a broad stroke, which is, this is what I think the game would be. Yeah. This is what it would feel like. This is the, the kind of mechanics that it would have in it. And this is the lore of the world. Um, and then I present that to the team, and I, and I ask them, like, do you think that's interesting? Do you do you is that, are you interested in working on that? Yeah. And if the answer is usually unifyingly yes, I definitely would want to work on that. We add it to the board, which we've managed to put together. We might as well give them a fun number. We've managed together to we've managed yep. to put together eight games. Yep. Ideas. Concepts. Eight, yeah, eight game concepts, and we're going to work on this one that we're discussing now first. 
Yes. Um, which I would say it's in pre-planning stage soon, uh, right now, because it's it's pending it's pending the launch to make sure that like hey we you need to add more focus to making sure that collision gate is is even longer term than we have set up yeah or we need to provide more of our attention directly to collision gate in order to maintain not only our design but also the release that potential supporters and fans would want yeah because if it does well you and I have to essentially continue making collision gate until either full replacements for both of us have been found so we can focus on a major project or work on two major projects simultaneously well hopefully uh oh we got discorded we got discorded <laughs> sorry um, about that guys um where was i going <laughs> We were talking about high-level game concepts and yes. then moving them to the board and really working on them. Uh, we're, I basically, basically gave Andrew the advice, like, if you have ideas rolling around in your head, get them out onto paper. Get them yeah. out as high-level concepts. Uh, but right now, we're focusing, uh, what percentage would you give? I don't want to say 100% because obviously there's... there's. I would say that 90%. Yeah. No, 95%. Yeah, that sounds about right. 95%, my yeah. 95% of my thought process goes to Collision Gate and Collision Token because I have to kind of focus on both. Yes. Um, but of that 95% that focuses on Collision Gate and Collision Token, more than 50% of that is focused on collision gate yeah. because it's my baby. Like yeah. this is, I'm sure Josh feels the same way, and I'm sure you feel the same way now. It's it's our baby. We made this happen. We we made this exist, and it's fun. It's really fun. It is really it, fun, and it's going to become more fun because what I'm working on right now is essentially if you if you're a Yu-Gi-Oh fan, the the broad strokes are organized in animes and um, release structures. Yep. So there's the Dual Monsters era, then there's the GX era, the um, 5Ds, Zexa, <laughs> Vrains. There's been so many now. Wow, it's, it's crazy yeah. to think about. It, it keeps going. <laughs> Those are just the ones that are, that are important. Um, I've already written our GX era for card releases when it comes to the fun stuff. Um, however, the way that it's that we're organizing it, it's better to say that I've created our Battle City arc of card releases. Yeah. Um, if you're comparing us to Magic, I would say that what you're getting now is Alpha Release 1. Um, we won't be doing beta. We'll be doing full release, which beta, if you don't know, beta was just alpha again, but better. <laughs> um, and we'll just be moving into a full release of a pretty large card pool, I would say. 300 cards is a lot, and it'll be more than 300 yeah. by then because we have 8, 16, 16. Yeah, we have 16 prepped 
archetypes. So the longevity of Collision Gate is assured pending success. Yeah. And in the event that it is successful, I, I have several ideas that I've just written down for Collision Gate because I've been so focused on trying to learn so much about game design, game development, yeah. um, concept design, world design. It, it's It's been occupying almost my whole time. Because as of right now, my most important thing is advertising the game. And we're getting that together in the background. The Kickstarter slash Indiegogo slash whatever we... We are going with Indiegogo first, but in the event that things go exceptionally well or things go not too well, we will most likely just do Indiegogo. Yeah. Anywhere between those two things. If, like, if we get funded to get the game off the ground and get the people what they want, I'm not going around begging yeah. for more money. I want to get the game out and for people to play it. And then either the traditional trading card game or the NFT trading card game will pay for the continued development of those of those things. Yep. Or, or there's no point in them continuing to be developed. I think you and I agree on that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but the good news is this game is great. And I'm not saying yes. that, like, I'm not flipping coins because I'm... I'm marketing or anything. No, as a fan of gaming, it's a good game. Yes. Um, the the story that it will have is interesting. It's it's got an open design. I think is the word that you and I have settled on is better than open world for the description because if yeah. you can't you can't create a true two D open world in my opinion. No. Because you can't go up and down. And stuff yeah. like that. So like, yeah. But you can. I mean, you could you have can. like a ladder but that warps you to an upper level somewhere. But that's, that's I'm really wrong. nitpicking. I, I'm just gonna take that's, that. Yeah. I'm gonna take that back. I I was just wrong on that. So you can. You absolutely. Cause I, was, I forgot about games like Terraria. Terraria is definitely an open world game. Yeah. Yeah. But you can go up and down. You can't go in and out though. You only have left. You only have X Y. You only have X and Y. Yeah. There's no Z. Well, I mean... Anyway, like, technicalities aside, yes, open design, I feel like, is better than open world. Just because open world also has, like, implications. Yeah, open world has... I know that when I talk about making an open world with my friends who play video games, they think <laughs> massive RPG world. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. 1,000 planets. Yeah, well, you're like, 1,000 planets. And I'm like, no, that's not what open world means. Open world means it's an open design. You can go wherever you want to go and do whatever you want to do within the context of the game. And even that is too broad of a term because not every world has, not every open world has a multi-structural design for story or can accommodate a multi-structural design for gameplay. Right. Most open worlds are just you can go wherever you want to go in whatever direction you want to go in. Good luck. And then complete <laughs> the things in the order that you want to do. Yeah. A good a good example of that is The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. That is an open world. Yeah. Yeah, it is actually. It's kind of ahead of its time in that aspect. Exactly. That you don't a lot of people don't think about that fact that Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, I should have said Ocarina. 
Ocarina is an open world game, and no one really talks about that. The main examples of open world games are Bethesda games, No Man's Sky, Minecraft, stuff like that. But there Grand are Theft Auto, yeah. Grand Theft Auto. Oh, I, how did I forget Grand Theft Auto for a second there? Um, yeah, those are the ones that are usually brought up as the example. Yeah. But I'm more leaning towards Ocarina of Time. Let's pull the dimensions down. Yeah. So to get that communicated between the two of us, we had to essentially. I I asked a bunch of questions about. Developing systems. No, wasn't the, it, I, I did ask a, a lot about that. I was talking about um, whether or not it would be possible yeah. from a structural perspective. Because I know the majority of the open world games out there have a lot of bugs. And they, they can be taken care of. Like, you can get rid of them. Lots of people have. And I would just like to go from the design process to the implementation process as smoothly as possible while avoiding as many bugs as possible. Mm -hmm. You know, the Goldilocks zone of programming. Yeah. You know, unobtainable, beautiful, ideal. Unobtainium. Um, unobtainium, yes. Uh, I'm so excited for Avatar 2. I'm just kidding. I'm not, I'm never, I'm, I don't know if I should mention it. Never mind. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's an unobtainium, and pretty pretty fucking close i think um we did pretty good on this one and we're trying to figure out how to do better for the next one um because i mean i'm there's there's always room to improve in my humble opinion like even on even on the best projects there's room to improve i mean look at <laughs> look at, uh, skyrim's a perfect example of that look at how many copies of the game it's sold it's, it's financially successful but think about how many ways it could be improved. Exactly. It's buggy. It's really not that good graphically. Um, obviously, it's not very well optimized. Uh, maybe that's a hot take. <laughs> the, the story leaves many people much to, to be desired. Yes, that too. It, it's, it's not a bad game. You and I are not saying that it's a bad game. We not play a, it a lot. It's good. I like it. it. It's a good game. But it's also a very addicting game, which yes. is why it's so popular, in our, in our opinion. Um, they really get you into that flow state. Yeah, they really do. And it's quite a good one, if we're being honest. And so we, we really talked about what that kind of means and what entering a flow state kind of means and whether or not you can build a world that is of that caliber effectively and fluidly and we we kind of agree that based on the design that we want to go with for this game both graphically and mechanically that that's very doable mm -hmm. and yes. because those things are very doable we can push the we can push the limit as far as we can and that's how we get into the the next step so after we discussed what the idea was we discussed with the team whether or not they wanted to work on something like that, and we had discussed whether or not something like that would be possible with the tools we had access to. We moved into the next stage where I essentially wrote out how it would work, how I want certain systems to work, mm -hmm. and how I would want all of those things to wrap together interconnectedly because that's essentially what you need for a design document. Yep. From there, 
I, I, I personally think that my calling is systems design. I really, really, really like to make systems. Um, so I moved into system design and we've been discussing how my pseudocode should work. We've been discussing how far I should take that pseudocode. And we've also been discussing essentially pseudosystems. Yes. Which I, I believe is it already is a real term. If it's not, how? Oh, it is definitely a real term. Yeah. yeah. Pseudocode definitely I've, is. Pseudosystems has to be. Yeah. I haven't seen it used in the literature, if I'm being honest. I, I haven't really seen the term. Yeah. But it's a great term for it. So by putting together pseudocode, which is essentially, it's organized the way that I would speak, but structured so that way it tells the code what to do. Yes. So you can essentially read a sentence and translate it in your head to yes. the code. Yes. And now I'm trying to take that a bit further and also and be like, okay, the value is blank. It's structured like blank. Because with modern technology, you can just spread that out and, and you reuse it and copy paste whatever you need to do to make it more efficient. And it helps you so much. Yes. Um, because on, on that level, you can essentially convert what I've done to Visual Studio and start... C-sharp. I, I use a Mac, so I don't have access to Visual Studio. Oh, I, I, was, I was just using it as a blanket term. Um, yes. You would essentially take that and convert it into the real code. Yes. And, it, and then we would be able to see if it works. Yes. Which is the most important part of game design, aside from art and, and visuals. Yes. Which is the main reason that we decided to be like, hey, how do we, how do we communicate with with the artists properly, which I think is a, which is the next big thing that we're tackling right now yes. is how do I as designer tell the artists exactly what I want, exactly what I need, because while they're designing the archetypes to their own specifications, that's kind of like I'm giving them a chance to give me a love letter to their own art style. And it's very much pulling off in my opinion. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Definitely paying off. Yes. Moving forward with more structured games, we, we kind of just have to streamline the process a little bit. Yeah. And that can be done by me providing them with references and description and detail very early on in the process. Yes. And if I get you those pseudocode and pseudosystems, we can then sit down together, you, me, and Ashley... And, and honestly, we'll get Josh. We'd get Josh involved at that point too. The four of us together would probably put it together the best, and design how the game looks, visually speaking, from a UI perspective, from a systems perspective, and then possibly even from an effects perspective. Since you have such a, a you have a, I would say you have a background in that already, if not a very solid background in that already, considering that you've put a, quite a few effects systems together, from visualization to scratch, to completion. Yeah. So. Uh, I definitely have some room to improve in terms of my uh, FX design and development, but it also helps that I am at least familiar with what Unity systems need to be put in to accomplish what we want to accomplish. And uh, that, that's kind of most of the hard stuff, right? Because art can be swapped in later. Exactly. Art, art can be patched in. Well, okay, patched in is a bad term. Uh, like, we're not going to... Yikes. Command-Z that statement. <laughs> um, but 
yeah, really getting it working mechanically speaking and systems speaking, like that's that's the hardest part. Yeah. Getting because that's what makes the game. Yeah. Um, t- communicating to each other that this is the experience that we want the player to have, and being able to get that sentence to another person and then be able to read it and have their own interpretation of it, but it be more or less the same thing. Yeah. That's the goal. Yeah. That's the goal of game design is to create because not everyone's going to want to play every game. No. Not everyone is going to play every game. There's a reason that most people only know about like mainstream gaming. They're like, oh, Modern Warfare. Oh, like, yeah. The, the the rabbit hole for gaming is so deep and vast. There are more sub-genres of gaming than you can possibly count. Yeah. There are more genres of gaming than you possibly realized. And the rabbit hole just gets further from there because there's so many fringe projects that don't end up on that Wikipedia article you're probably looking at right now. Yeah. And it's very much about figuring out what you want and how to get there. So with systems and mechanics and lore slash, or I'm sorry, not lore, experience slash interaction, you could, by focusing on those two things from the beginning, which I think, I think the majority of good game dev designer um, duos or someone who's able to, to be the jack of all trades, that's how they start. They, yeah. they essentially put together, this is what we want people to experience. And then it's floating around in the back of your mind, which, you, oh, you forgot to, I skipped over you giving your percentage on, on Collision Gate, Occupati- occupation of your brain. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, in terms of Collision Gate occupying my brain space, it's, it's right now it's like 95% and 5%. My 95% is development, 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 and also looking at what's coming in the pipeline for Collision Gate and making sure that I'm prepared for what's coming in the pipeline for Collision Gate as a game. And then the other 5% is dedicated to thinking about uh, the next game and what I want to do next. Uh, well, I what we want to do next uh, but also, yes, there's a little bit of selfish eye in there because uh, I'm also, maybe I shouldn't even announce this on the podcast, I'm planning and architecting a small custom game engine and editor combo. Uh, and the idea is to tailor it specifically to indies and uh, just get the indies in the flow state so they can make their games better and also have the engine itself be portable to multiple platforms. Exactly, exactly. And having that as another potential, uh, sorry to, well, sorry once again to apply um, company man brain to, to your work, yeah. um, that's that's a product. Yeah. That's a good product. That's, that's a, hey, we're doing this differently product. Um, some indie studios make their own make their own engines. That's definitely a thing that happens. But it's not every studio. No. And the fact that we've tried to go about this so personally every step of the way as we continue forward because maybe maybe my uh, just in case my phrasing or tone has implied it in the event that things don't go well with uh, CG. Yeah. It's collision gate, the trading card game. Yeah. Um 
I, I still plan on attempting to get things going on the cryptocurrency side because we have an audience there yep. and it's more universal than, than just the trading card game. Yep. So as long as that audience exists and we can continue forward on as many sides as possible and it's not getting shut down, I think, and I mean shut down in the sense of I, I still think that there's definitely an issue with potential government interaction with the personal um, that can limit companies from developing unfortunately, especially here in the United States. Um, it's very possible that they want, or I don't think they will because the money's definitely there and let's not get conspiratory. But uh, anyways, the important thing is that we are flexible give or take cryptocurrency. Yeah, We are flexible give or take this game's design. We have several avenues of moving forward and that's how we keep doing it with things moving forward. Sorry, I thought I should just get out, get that out there because I was reviewing what you um, or what I said earlier in the back of my mind. I was like, people are probably thinking I'm not going to continue development on the token if something happens. No, I, I have full intention of getting those that further along because everything that we want to create exists within the universe that we built yep. with the cards. Um, I lost my train of thought because we were talking about game development. Yes. So with Arena, yes, we essentially have moved past that helicopter design, even though it's only occupying that 5%. And we've started to move forward into the systems part, which you and I, I think that's our favorite part. Yes. Yeah. So being a systems designer definitely plays into development very well. Um, and as a developer, I'm very interested in systems design and systems implementation. So it, it works out pretty well. <laughs> um, out of all the systems you've worked on, from like inventory system to card population system, which one do you think is your favorite? Even though, even though I'm not 100% happy with it, my favorite is still my procedural mesh generation in Unity that I was, um, I'm not sure if this video is public on my Axiom channel, but I do have a short video showcasing a 2.5D procedural game that I built in Unity. Um, that's still kind of my favorite just because like the Perlin noise algorithms that you use to create procedural generation, like they're very simple algorithms at heart. And uh, when you apply those and see it visually it's just it, it's really cool too but the problem is that unity is not really built for that so constructing the meshes procedurally actually like causes a tiny little lag spike uh, but it's enough of a lag spike to not make me happy with it at all you'll get it fixed i definitely think you will get that fixed because you are so passionate about all the different games that you work on when you talk about that, like a like actually, a spark is in the eye. Yeah. So you definitely want to work on that. I can tell, and it looks good. And what you're building, it, the most important part of what you're building there is a system that can be utilized yes. in almost any game that we make in the future. Yes. Um, An overarching concept. Yeah. Those are those are always more important because having the ability to get something done is far more important than actually having the idea. Because plenty of games 
have oh, I don't want to accidentally no, nope let me just hmm. block out there we go um, plenty of games one in particular that I thought of for just a moment um, make plenty of money to try and get off the ground and aren't able to get their systems working aren't able to get the user experience there to continue forward and that's where I think that we're different we, we were able to get our design out there. We were able to get our development out there to a point that shows people our idea. And we're already doing that with this new game. Yeah. Because now I think that you and I could sit down and theoretically like, close our eyes and talk about how the world works and like how things work, work out and, and essentially visualize a game in our head yeah. that doesn't have art yet or at least has our own made-up art, and then have the artists come in and fully develop that look and feel and all that kind of stuff. And then from there, you just we just put in the grunt work. Yep. And um, I definitely think by the next time we make another game, I will be free enough, um, experienced enough, and developed enough personally in game development to help you to a point where we can really cut down the time. Because we've talked about some other stuff that we want to do just as a team. Yeah. And one of those is we want to participate in a game jam. Yes. Because you and I agree that's a great way of showing what you're actually capable of. Yes. What, what the team is actually capable of. Because game jams are all about get an idea, put it together, get the game out yeah. in a short amount of time, and really, really manage your time and your ability and your artiste yes to the best of your ability and really just try and put something coherent together not to mention it's a lot of fun and like most of them are weekend game jams so you know you spend you spend two nights 48 hours whatever you spend 48 hours and you have an MVP and you have immediate feedback right away that's so valuable as a as a, a small indie game studio, like to be able to have an MVP within 48 hours and know from the judges, from the people who are playing it, from the comments, from everything, is this idea good enough to flesh out? Is there a market for this? Exactly. Exactly. And that's really what it's all about. And if there's not a market for it, there's no point in being butthurt. If, they're, if people don't like your game, that's just a learning experience. If yeah. you get the idea... For instance, if I would have presented this game to Mike and you would have been like, first off, how, how do you make that? that is it, like, great idea, but how do you make that? Yeah. I would have had to take that and either attempted to find a way to get it made to a point where I'm like, hey, I show, here's how it would be made. Now, now, what's your criticism? And that, if that was his criticism, there you go. Yeah. But if his criticism is, I don't think that sounds fun. Yeah. That sounds like a lot. I think you might have gone a little overboard. How about no? Then <laughs> I need to accept that, and you, and vice versa. If you were to have programmed something for me, and you're like really proud of it, you're like, hey, this is the shit. This is exactly what we needed. This yep. is exactly what we wanted. And it's Garbo. I'm going to tell you, it's it, like, hey, man, this is where it, where it doesn't work, yep. I think. Let's fix that. 
And it's important to just not get feelings hurt either way. Yeah. Which we ha- I don't really think we've ran into a situation like that. Because normally when we are talking about the design or development, what we have for each other is this would be better than this. And here's why. It's discussions rather than uh, no. Yeah, or, exactly. Uh, <clears throat> that sucks. Which is really how you know that you have like a, a good, healthy development designer relationship. Yeah. Because designers and developers both have to put in long hours sometimes. There, there are sometimes, as a designer, it's very much more art, very much more inspiration. So sometimes it's midnight and I'm about to go to sleep. I'm watching a video. Someone says something. And I'm like, holy shit, that's a great idea for a game. Or holy shit, that's a great idea for a world or, or whatever, whatever. And then I got to go downstairs because everyone's sleeping and, and work and work and get it, get something together real quick and show it to you. Yep. But then you just stay up all day, sometimes late at night, and just pump out those keys. <laughs> I do other things too, I promise. I'm I'm a very avid clone hero player, believe it or not. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting, interesting. I did not know that about you. Um, um, you also play just a lot of games about what you're working on to get inspired. You've definitely shown me a lot of things for the shelved products. For the shelved products, I keep... I, the shelved yeah. games. They're, they're not products, they're games. games they yes. also happen to be products. Uh, it's such a weird balance because... Toss your other hat on real quick. Exactly. I'm, I'm the designer right now. Um, those, those games that you have referenced me to have gold in them. Like little, little nuggets. Yep. Like, hey, there's this thing here. Like, it's a great game overall, obviously. But, hey, there's this thing here in this game yep. that I really think you should look at and see if you can kind of make it our own. Like, make it a part of our own thing. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then there are things that I'm like, I really like this mechanic. What would you do with it? How would you implement it? Do you like this mechanic? And then you'll, you'll look at it. You're like, okay, yeah, I, I tried it. This is what I think. This is how much I enjoyed it. This is how much I didn't enjoy it. Yes. Here's what we should do if we do implement it. Here's why I think we should or should not implement it. Yes. And the and same with you giving me reference material to go and play and... And so I can understand the systems you're trying to describe better. Exactly. Exactly. Um, that's great. Being able to understand that, um, I feel like a lot of people might be like, "Well, yeah, obviously," but it, it takes a it takes a lot of communication to be able to say like, "Yes, I as designer feel like I get my point to where it needs to be for you yep. to pick it up." And get it to your the point where you need it to be, and it's good. It, it feels really like organized. It yes. feels very structured. It feels very smooth. But on top of all those different things, it's fun. It's it been is, a lot of fun. It is very fun. Yeah, it has been a lot of fun. Which I mean, yes, making games is is fun, and it's really it only becomes not fun when you're in the middle of making something for several years and you're on week 35 of 50 hours in a row and you're just like oh shit i have to keep doing this for another 
12 weeks. <laughs> 12 weeks straight, no sleep. Yeah, yeah exactly, no. exactly. Which is why I'm trying to take the idea of design as far as I can for everyone and why you're trying to pick up as much of that as possible. Yes. Because with you and the artists in particular, because we each have our own special requirements that are needed yep. from each from each of our relationships with them, when you need something designed, that's some that thing needs to move to the top of the priority list at all times. And now that we're at that point, like where, hey, I, there's not much more I can accomplish to make this look unique until I get better art, until I get more, more us art. Mm-hmm. So just get back to me when we have that. And now we have the new play map being designed. We have a bunch of different really, really cool things being yes. worked on. And I'm excited. I'm really excited about the new play map. I saw some teaser pictures and it's looking pretty good so far. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. The, um, the work that Ashley puts out makes this game, like the, it's that cherry. Yeah. Because it... It plays great. Mechanically speaking, theoretically speaking, I could come out with a pixel art game that has all of Collision's effects, and I think a lot of people might play it. it it's yeah. fun. But having that package... He's staring at a card right now. Having <laughs> yeah, that package... I just picked up a card. Um, together, where you can take it with you wherever you go. You can play it on any device that you want. You can play it with almost anyone of almost any age if you really want to. You can... Um, spend a short amount of time, a long amount of time. You do you want to pursue it from a competitive perspective? Do you want to pursue it from a story perspective? Do you want to pursue it from a something kind of in the middle perspective? Yeah. You that's the options that Collision Gate already provides, and then the new game that we were making. You and I agreed that we wanted the same thing. Yeah. I, I think we have more or less settled that even if we're going to make niche games. They, yes. We want them to be enjoyable by anyone who wants to. And it's not like a, hey, let's market this like Skyrim and put it on the <laughs> Samsung fridge. No. Um, it's, hey, we want people to be able to play our game. Yeah. And me as someone who likes to break games and you as someone who likes to make games that are unbreakable, we come to a nice impasse where we are like, let's make a game that lets people do as much as possible but not to a serious degree because yeah. you've been watching me do my Skyrim prep run for the video I'm going to uh, have on my YouTube channel, self, uh, shameless self-promotion aside. Um, but you and I, I don't, in, I don't like the fact that you can break Skyrim that heavily Yeah. 10 years later. Yeah. I, I think it's very much not okay to continue making that level of money, which... Unless they are like 100%, yes, everything that's still in the game at this point was meant to be in the game, or you guys liked it so much, we just decided to keep it in. May, I haven't heard that. No. But if that's true, I'm clapping. I don't want to clap for, for, the, or for the microphone. Um, that's great. It's one way to do it. But I don't think that's what it is. I think it's like, hey, we keep making money. Let's keep cashing the money in. Yeah. But no, you, you should... Focus on making the game more and more polished. That's one thing that I'm really glad about Riot. Like I, I, yeah. I have my own criticisms for Riot, but um, they're a great company. They make great games. They, like, all of their games are free to play. Yeah. I, I personally really like 
early League of Legends. I personally think Runeterra is well put together. It's well thought together. It's it's very they're good. They're the main company that I'm modeling our, us after, um, and because of that, I definitely see them as our our primary competitor, which is why. Which I guess isn't real, because it's not. <laughs> but it's fun to think about. It's fun to be like, okay, but would Riot have done a better job if they did this too? Yeah. And I think we've got a lot of crazy stuff to show people, because some of the talks that we had this second visit, where we essentially this whole weekend we've been talking systems and design and what we're going to be doing going forward and how we're going to be more efficient working together. Yeah. Getting information passed back and forth. Um, <laughs> in, in case the audience didn't gather, I, uh, I uh, went from a remote developer to a non-remote developer for a weekend. Yeah, essentially, yes. He, he's he's here with me um, at, my, at my home to record the podcast. Um, and it was great because we were essentially trying... I think we both did this to try and make sure that that developer designer relationship was good yeah. and that the other person wasn't crazy. And not only that though, it's also so energizing to like, okay, yeah, I do a lot of my work alone in my office, but it's also so energizing to physically meet with the team. And, you know, I haven't physically met with everybody, but I've met a lot of the team and everybody's super nice, super chill, super welcoming. Uh, and it's just been really great and energizing. Good little escape. Exactly. I couldn't agree more. It's, it's a productive escape. Yes. But yeah, we, uh, we did this. I think we kind of agreed when we set this up, we were going to try and do 50, yep. like 50, 50, 50% making sure that like we become friends, yep. that this becomes a good, healthy working professional relationship. And then 50% let's work, get a lot of stuff done. It really, really powered through this. Mm -hmm. But that 50% that we did at the beginning there, really made that other 50% so much more important. Because like yeah. we, we started discussing things about design that's really important to know for about each other and making agreements about that structure to a, almost a T. Yeah. At this point, I, I feel like, of course, there's always room to grow, but I think we're as good as we can be at that communication now. Yep. And that's all thanks to, to these two weekends that we've had. And I really appreciate you doing them. And I really appreciate you coming and working the podcast in to, to the day and getting the game to a point where we, we can sit at my house, your house, live stream us playing the game. Yep. That's even more exciting than because people could say like oh they're faking it they're actually in the same room they're yeah. actually playing on the same console but he's controlling it with team viewer or whatever whatever yeah but no he's nowhere near me i'm playing the game in my living room what do you think now yeah because that's cool like it really really is cool multiplayer is common place nowadays i would say yeah. but it's still really great to have it functioning on your game to and also have your mechanics mostly functioning onto the game the the important stuff's there like i've said to many people who've asked if anything is missing it's card trigger effects 
And the main reason that is is because until you get it fully worked out, you're just inviting bugs. Yeah. Which is something that you and I have talked about. A lot of the trading card games out there that aren't that great are because of either a design flaw or yeah. an, an, uh, a misstep in programming that allows them to be exploited or prevents them from functioning properly. Yeah. So we're worried about making sure that that's functioning 100%, if not 110%. Uh, yeah, 10% would be those debug menus. <laughs> and yeah. go from there. Because that the, that's not what I remember from the games that we played growing up. I don't remember the chance to play online with other people and have my own experience the way that I wanted to that was balanced. But that's definitely the experience that I want now as an adult. And it's probably the experience that I think kids are going to want too. Yeah. Um, and not only that, functioning within the core ideal of playing wherever you want, whenever you want, with whoever you want, right? I can be on my iPhone, laying on my couch, and Andrew could be at the library on his whatever, Windows computer. Uh, we're doing Windows, Mac, Linux, iOS, and Android are our primary targets right now. Uh, we'll invite consoles in when we can. Uh, and game controller support, of course, will be coming to the PC platforms before anything else. Yes. Um, but, yeah, and and it's working. I start a match on my phone, Andrew can join my lobby, and we can play. And it just works. Yep. And it... Oh, no, you can't say that anymore. Oh, yeah, you're right. It works. It works. It works really well. That We'll say that. It works really well. It works really um, well. I, even it works as intended has been ruined. Somebody, somebody informed me of that early on in, uh, in development. I was like, guys, don't worry. It works as intended. And somebody literally made a... Yeah. I was like, what? What's wrong? And he's like, oh, that phrase has been ruined, my man. And I was like, oh... Yeah, and, and I, so he sent me he sent me the uh, the meme, and I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it functions perfectly. I mean, well, it, it functions perfectly, and all we have to do is make it smoother. Yep. And all we have to do is add new things to it, and make it better. Yep. So the version of the game that will be out, any two people can play it, but it won't have ranked. It won't have certain implementations. You won't be able to build your own deck yet. Yeah. But that's not what we're we're trying to show people right now. Yeah. We're trying to show people that, like, hey, this is coming. This is what we want to make. We're probably going to make it either way, if I'm being honest. We, we've talked about that. Yeah. Um, because we enjoy it. We want to play it at this point. Like, at this point, we want it so we can play it. Yeah. And I'm sure there's plenty of people that are out there that feel the same way. And that's really how indies start. That's really how any of this kind of gaming situation works out. We... I. At this point, if, you, if you're watching this YouTube video and you don't follow us on Twitter, definitely go follow us on Twitter. Uh, or I guess I shouldn't say YouTube video because this is on every podcast. If you're listening to this podcast and you don't follow us on Twitter, definitely go follow us on Twitter. We're starting to grow and it's been a real great experience to meet some very intelligent people within the gaming community who've offered real criticism, who've offered real direction, who've offered real advice. Yeah. Um, shout out to Kevin Lambert. Thank you very much for giving us even a moment of your attention. I really appreciate that. Thank you for making Dungeon Siege 2 once again. Um, 
And shout out to everyone whose name I can't personally think of right now, not because you weren't important. I'm very tired. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of, I think this is a great place to end it because I'm hungry and tired. I'm pretty hungry too, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> let's, let's get us some food. Um, follow us on Twitter. Stay tuned on YouTube or whatever platform you're currently on to listen to this. And please don't forget to follow us and the artists on Twitter. Yes. Instagram, and so on and so forth. We have a lot to show you guys coming forward from the game side of things, and we have a lot going forward going from there, too. So I'm very excited to unveil those things. Do you have anything else, Mike? I... No. I think that's everything. Thank you so much for your support, everyone, and we look forward to showcasing some gameplay very, very, very soon, so stay tuned. Yes, uh, we're going to do it live, because doing it live is better. Yes, yes. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Peace.